Hey, Brian, welcome back to the hey, Bistro. How are you today, Ryan? I am amazing. You know, it's always nice. We got uh, a little, uh, uh, some food. <laughs> Can you speak? Did the food I'm kind of in a food. You? I'm kind of in a food coma now. No, it was good. I had some nice tacos from uh, a really good uh, taco place here in Bloomington Normal. We're in also the, known as Bistro West. We're in the Bistro West. Yes, yes. Uh, Veracruz was the name yeah. of the Mexican joint. It nice was delicious. Place. It's good. Very good tacos. I had carne asada tacos mm -hmm. with cilantro and onion. Yeah. It Cebolla. was real. What's that? Cebolla. Just stop. <laughs> stop. You're you're good. Anyway. Right. Anyway, well, we're back in the yeah, bistro. We've had some here. great episodes the last recently. So. Yeah. <laughs> At least in our own estimation, they've been pretty good. If you think they've been good, however, you should go and you should rate and review them on Absolutely. Apple Podcasts. It helps other listeners find our podcast yes yes and we have had some good some good listens lately some downloads i know we have some new listeners we've heard from a couple of new listeners and welcome aboard <laughs> listeners listeners new listeners yes <laughs> it's been good yeah we've had uh and uh yeah if you're enjoying the podcast as brian yeah. mentioned you know feel we would love for you to go to yeah. apple podcast and rate us and let us know what we're doing <laughs> or send us a message you can do that through the website yeah or if you're feeling a little spendy <laughs> and you really love what we're doing you can join us on patreon yeah we've got some is, patreon members now yeah so we, do, we do yeah where you can join us and you can financially uh give to the the bistro yeah. so we can keep producing this and so if you do it you can get some swag like a bible right. bistro coffee mug which all the kids love the we, i really need to get i'd like to have one i, I know you're <laughs> You just couldn't resist it, could you? You just got to bring it up. You know, Ryan, you say you're going to get us that, and you never have. Yeah, anyway, well, well. so Bible Beach from a coffee mug or a T-shirt. Yes. Yes. Everybody loves those T-shirts <laughs> as well. So uh, anyway, we're back. And a little bit of news. You know, a yeah. couple weeks ago, uh, I don't know when this is coming out. We yeah, had the guys. Back. Yeah, we had the guys from Appian Media on the podcast. Right. And they were raising money to go yeah. to Egypt, and I was going to join them on that. And they have successfully Which is awesome. raised the, the money to go to Egypt. And so... I will be leaving for Egypt soon. We'll be yeah. spending about a week in Egypt and a week in Jordan, uh, looking at the the path that Moses might have followed and the Israelites might have followed. That's, that's, I'm so jealous of you, and that's going to be an awesome trip. And but here's the good news for our listeners: we're gonna we're gonna have you talk about your trip when you come back. So yes, in a few weeks' time from listening to this podcast, you're going to be sharing some of your experiences. Yeah, in uh, late October, you'll yeah. be back and uh, can share some of those experiences. I'm going to take some photos and share some photos and stuff, awesome. but. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm excited, a little nervous. No, um, no reason to be nervous. I, I know there's no reason to be nervous, <laughs> but I've traveled all over the world. But um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, world, I'm, world I'm a world traveler, okay. basically. I've been everywhere. Okay. Anyway, so no, we're excited and yeah. uh, excited to, to create this uh, film and uh, to maybe bring to life some of the, the stories yeah. in Exodus. Can't wait to see that. So how long how long will the production be after that? Uh, Post-production takes some time. Okay. So I I'm think it'll probably will not, it won't be until 2023 that it gets okay. officially released. There'll be released. plenty of times to yeah. update on that and that yeah, kind of thing. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to hearing about it. So, All right, so what are we doing today, Brian? Well, I thought we'd go back to Isaiah a little bit. I've, I've spent some time in Isaiah over the past year with my congregation, and so there was a couple of things I thought would be interesting for our listeners. And so mm -hmm. I thought we'd go to Isaiah 36, chapters 36 and 37 today. Okay. And it's a little bit related to what we talked about in the last uh, Isaiah segment we did when we talked about isaiah chapter seven do you, right. do you remember who the king was in isaiah seven do you remember? uh that was ahaz ahaz do you remember who, what 
what kind of king was Ahaz or what? Not a good king. <laughs> but okay. Yes, he was one that did not uh, follow the Lord. Sure. Right. And so he was, I remember the story. He was um, the Ephraim, Israel. Yeah. And they were, uh, and he had teamed up with some others. They were going to try to take over yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Judah because for their military to fight the Assyrians. The Assyrians is a threat here. Yeah. yeah. And Regular. Ahaz was trying to make a, a plea with the Assyrians to fight against. Yeah. There's a lot of political yeah, a lot maneuvering. Of, a lot of political maneuvering. And rather than trusting in God, essentially, Ahaz uh, chose to trust in his own political uh, military ambitions and his own political mm-hmm. ideas. Now, here's the interesting thing. Is today, we're talking about Ahaz's son, Hezekiah. Mm-hmm. Hezekiah really brought some reforms into the land of Judah. He really kind of called people back to worship the true Lord, the true God. He um, uh, got rid of some of the high places that Ahaz had established and that had been places of worship for some time and really brought some religious reform. Hezekiah is one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament. They're very interesting. He lived in interesting times. Again, we still have this Assyrian threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, King Sennacherib is, uh, of the Assyrians is coming. Say, say that again? Sennacherib. Oh, of course, Sennacherib. <laughs> well, and, and you know, if, if, if our listeners are heroes of... Or, um, heroes if they're uh, heroes or uh, everyone's everyone who listens to us is a hero in their own right both of them no and if all of the if if they're um what's the word i'm looking for uh, if they like history uh, yes if they're history buffs um oh. heroes of history they uh they will know that sennacherib's invasion is where the assyrians come in they they defeat this the, the samaria they defeat the northern uh, northern kingdom in syria and come really and what we're going to look at today is they come to the very doorstep if you will of hezekiah begin to attack the 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 cities of, of the north of judah in fact let's go ahead and read look at chapter 36 let's get yeah, me, let's, get let's me out of this <laughs> stop talking we're moving on to the actual bible read verses one through three there of uh, isaiah 36 for me all right in the 14th year of king hezekiah's reign sennacherib king of assyria attacked all the fortified cities of judah and captured them then the king of assyria sent his field commander with a large army from lachish Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, that's To King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. When the commander stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, mm-hmm. the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of mm-hmm. Ath. Asaph. Asaph, whatever. The recorder <laughs> went out to him. Okay. So what do you notice there? What What's familiar to you in well, that Well, uh, there's a couple of th- the, okay. the launderer's field yeah. stood out to me. We talked about this. Okay. What do you remember about that? It was a place where someone else met. <laughs> exactly right. So, so here's the interesting thing. Back when we talked about um, Isaiah chapter 7, mm-hmm. God sent Isaiah specifically to this location. He says, I want you to go there and I want you to meet Ahaz there. And that's where all those events took place when we talked about Emmanuel, and we talked about all of that, that that basically God through Isaiah was saying to Ahaz, you're worried about these two nations that are to your north. You're worried about Syria. You're worried about the northern kingdom. But God's message through Isaiah to him was, I'm going to take care of these two kings. You, you don't need to worry about the plots that they have against you. And, and you might remember that God then, this was the remarkable thing, God asked Ahaz it, it, t- tell me any sign and I'll give it to you to show these things are, are going to happen. And you remember Ahaz says, ref- I dare not ask, test the Lord. 
And it's because he'd already decided, as you said, to go to the king of Assyria himself. Um, and, and so here's the interesting thing. That very spot that God chose to be where Isaiah brought this message is now where the um, field commander, so the, the, we would call maybe a general, like the, 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 the um, uh, commander of the, of the army. Of the Assyrian army. Of the Assyrian army came with the army, a large army, in order to bring this message now to Ahaz's son, Hezekiah. The and, way, and it's at the same spot. Exactly. And th- this, is, this okay. is what I find remarkable. And this is, this is, I think, what the scriptures here are really showing us. I like to say there's different ways we can talk about it. It's kind of like the, the bill that um, Ahaz acquired has now come due to his son, Hezekiah. You know, mm-hmm. the, the intention that he had of going to Assyrians for help against Syria and the northern kingdom has now come come back around and, and they're having to deal that's the other way I, I sometimes use this phrase you know what goes around comes around this kind gotcha. of thing because you know the assyrians were like well sure we'll help you against these two nations we are already planning on defeating and then when we're done with them we're going to come for you as well right and, and so that's what's happening here and it's at that very spot it, it's again it's almost like the the uh you know what you what you um put on on credit, so to speak, is now coming due to your son Hezekiah. Yeah, and Ahaz had cleared out the temple and so forth to give him all the gold, and it, yeah, I mean, he really paid a hefty pint, a fine, yeah, or tribute to the yeah, king of Assyria, like to help me, and so now he's coming, he's still coming for him. And Sennacherib comes and asks Hezekiah, so Hezekiah takes even more of the gold and sins initially, is is what he does, and and you can see here, you hear this, they he attacked the fortified cities in the north part of Judah. And remember, we talked about Uzziah is the one who kind of really fortified these cities and made Judah a very powerful nation. And the towers and so forth. And now and now here comes the Assyrian army and beginning to uh, attack the northern part of Judah and comes down to the very doorstep right here outside of Jerusalem hmm. in order to in, in order to approach Hezekiah. And that's where we find ourselves here in this. Okay. So here's what, so Sennacherib sends this letter and it becomes a, a very big deal because the message of it is really kind of a, uh, an affront to God, so to speak. So I want you to listen to, uh, let me go ahead and read this for you. This starts in verse four. It says, the field commander said to him, you tell Hezekiah, uh, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria says, on what are you basing this confidence of yours? In other words, Hezekiah is now standing up against the king of Assyria. And he's saying, what are you basing this confidence of yours? yours? You say you have counsel and might for war, but you speak only empty words. On what are you depending that you rebel against me? Look, I know you are depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff that pierces the hand of anyone who leans on it, such as is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. So, uh, let me stop here for just a minute. The, the, there was a party. So the same that Ahaz went to Sennacherib looking for help against Syria and the northern kingdom. There was a party within Hezekiah's um, a council that said that they should go to Egypt now. Egypt, remember, is always the other major superpower. Whoever mm-hmm. whoever controls Mesopotamia and Egypt are always a superpower during this entire biblical period, fighting back and forth. So now that Hezekiah has said to the king of Assyria to Sennacherib, no more. Now he's saying, what, what do you think? You're, you're trusting in Pharaoh? Is that is that your plan? Is you're going to mm-hmm. go down to Egypt? And there was a party within the, within Judah who thought that's the thing that they should do. Now, it's interesting. I just want you to notice the metaphor here. It's like, he said, it's like leaning on a splintered reed of a staff. 
So imagine kind of a broken staff and, and, and if you lean on it, you're just going to get splinters in your hand. It's only going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's like Pharaoh. Pharaoh's broken down basically. If Pharaoh doesn't have the power he thinks and, he has. And if you're leaning on him, all it's going to do is hurt you is, is what he says. So just kind of an interesting little, little image there. So, but if you say to me, we're depending upon the Lord, our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must wor- worship before this altar? In other words, he's removed all these other places of worship, says you have to come to the temple. Now, this is Sennacherib misunderstanding Hezekiah's reforms as instead him getting rid of the worship of the Lord God. Now, he goes on and he says, and you know, not only that, but he has told me himself, this is down in verse 10, the Lord has told me himself to march against this country and destroy it. In other words, he's saying that your God has sent me here for this purpose. And we've seen already that God has said he's going to use the Assyrian king in order to just destroy these two nations that are to the north of Judah. And, uh, but he says, when I'm done with you, then I'm going to, I'm going to, Put a put a hook in your in your mouth and pull you away is basically the image mm-hmm. that he gives. So, so do we? Uh, I'm, I'm, this is my question. Do we think that like God spoke directly to Sennacherib to to do this, or is this him saying like, "Hey, God, is this a way of saying like you took down God's these other high places and yeah. He's sending me to like bring retribution on you for?" He understands. I don't know. Is my is my okay? It's <laughs> my answer. But here's what I'll say: He understands that in some way God has directed him. The Lord God has mm-hmm. directed him in order to to come against Judah. Okay, and whether that's through a here's the way we often see the kings being spoken to in Judah. Right, is through a prophet. Mm-hmm. One of his prophets speaks and says, the Lord of Israel has told told mm-hmm. me this, or the God of Israel has told me this. However, we understand that direct, you're saying, was it a, in a dream? Ne- yeah. Nebuchadnezzar, just as an example, Nebuchadnezzar in the time of Daniel, you know, we have God speaking to him in dreams, for example. And, you know, so, so however we understand that, in some way, he understands that the Lord is sending him to do this. He also goes ahead and taunts the other thing before we get too, too much further, and then we'll come back to this. He also taunts Hezekiah and says, basically, you, your, your army is so broken down. I tell you what, I'll give you horses if you can even find people who can ride them. You know, in other words, mm-hmm. just to make this a fair fight. And so he's kind of mocking and, and taunting right. Hezekiah. So anyway, was that? Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking like, it. it, it I, I just wanted, I'm like, I'm thinking through this king's mind, like kind of gone, I've gotten this far, like this must be God, you know, directing me. Like he must have one for this, he's allowed me to do this. Or did he, what I think is is interesting is he says Yahweh himself. Like yeah. he doesn't say, it, we're the Lord, saying the Lord, the Lord but God, it is capital. Yahweh. Yeah, yeah. Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Like he's, yeah. there's this acknowledgement of the of the name of, of God there. Although I'm going to talk about some other writings we have of Sennacheribs a little bit later, and there he he attributes he attributes these things to their gods, these same kind of um, I don't say this directions mm-hmm. that Sennacherib receives in his own writings he attributes to the gods of the Assyrians. So again, however yeah. we understand uh, yeah, that, that. That's what I was trying to figure out there. Is, is like, is he just basically it? saying, you know, he's this, this field commander saying like, well, this must be from God. Otherwise we wouldn't sure. be right here in your doorstep. Right. right. And, and he does. And later on, we're going to see, he mocks, he mocks them even more saying, look, all these other, if you're trusting in, in God, all these other gods we've shown to be in, incapable of saving their nations. So, so they're seeing the Lord God as simply another one of these nationalistic, mm-hmm. um, you know, not, not the creator God of the universe, but the God of a localized tribe or localized nation. And so he's saying we can take care of that. So, 
Okay, cool. So let's go a little bit further here. So so verses 13 through 21 is the next place I want to go. And the interesting thing here is not only does he send this letter to the to the commanders to let's say let's call them the i don't know cabinet of hezekiah however you want to think about that these counselors of hezekiah he comes and he directly addresses the people and here they're called the people on the wall so verse 13 says the commander stood and called out in hebrew so here is this this assyrian uh, assyrian field commander calling out in hebrew here are the words of the great king the king of assyria this is what the king says so he's speaking now to the people that are on the wall. And here's the message. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit from your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Now, (laughs) I'm just going to say like your reading of that and your expressions were just like, I imagine Shakespeare being read for the first time. Yeah. What can I say? But (laughs) What is, what does that sound like to you though? How does that come across then? What, like, what's the message? The message is it, you're roasted. Don't, I mean, don't. <laughs> right. He's going to try to convince don't, you. Don't trust in your king. Don't trust in your king. Like, and if you come with us, it's life's going to be easy. For oh, you. we're going to make everything so good. This is the promise of dare I say it, a politician <laughs> to the people, basically saying, "Oh, it'll be so much better if you guys just give up." He's trying to sow discord. He's trying to say, "Don't, don't trust in your own king. Instead, come out to me." And, and I love it. He says, "You know, oh, you're going to be able to eat from your own. You know, you, everybody's going to have their own fruit trees, and you're going to have grape vines, and everything's going to be wonderful. And I'm going to take you to this other land because this was what the Assyrians did. This is how they destroyed a nation: is they would come in, they would take the people." captive and they would deport them to a different area mm-hmm. and then they would bring people in from that area into mm-hmm. judah and it's like oh i'm gonna take you to this other land you're gonna love it there <laughs> Everything's gonna be- and, 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 and as part of this like i th- back in that time they probably would have because jerusalem was walled it would have been a siege sure yeah and you that's know, what they're doing they're laying siege to they're jerusalem. laying siege to yeah. jerusalem so it would have been like a thing of like you're gonna be food's gonna be low well yeah it says that earlier i wasn't gonna talk about that first, yeah, but, but, but if I'm, you want to. no i don't want to talk about it it basically says you're gonna eat nice not good things and yeah he says food. basically but, you're gonna eat your own excrement and drink your own urine but, but i'm just i'm just yeah. opposing this against yeah. the wine sure and and the, and the the vineyards and the land of yeah. bread and so he's that's right he's that's, talking that's well to their, their their felt need right then it's kind of going oh yeah. things are going to start getting tight and he's going oh come with us and that, it'll, it'll be so much easier that's exactly right that's what that's well said so anyway let me let me finish this up and yeah. and this is what i was talking about it says so didn't let hezekiah mislead you have the gods of any nations ever delivered their lands from the hands of the king of assyria where are the gods of hamath and arpad where are the gods of sephirvayim Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries has been able to save their lands from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hands? And that's what I was saying earlier. Basically, he's saying, if you think the Lord's going to help you in this, you know, I got another another thing coming. All these other countries thought their God was going to save them. 
and, and he didn't do it. So, yeah. so he's mocking Hezekiah. He's trying to sow discord. He's yeah, he's pro- making promises to the people, and he's mocking the Lord in, in all of this. Very interesting. Very interesting passage. I find now th- this leads us to I think an important question, and one of the one of the big things that I want you to see in in what we're talking about today is the contrast between Ahaz and Hezekiah, mm-hmm. because they are two completely different people. And and I think there are two major lessons that we can get from this for us when we when we look at the examples here, because the first thing is Ahaz and and Hezekiah give us two examples, two different examples of trust. If you're going to say simply, what would you say that Ahaz placed his trust in? Uh, political power. Okay. Right. His own his own power, his own wisdom. Uh, I'm going to take care of these things myself. Hezekiah, the thing, the reason I love him so much, and the reason I think he's such a great character in the Old Testament is Hezekiah is an example of someone who trusted in the Lord, mm-hmm. a good example of someone who trusts in the Lord. Now, here's what I thought we would think about a little bit for us, because um, Sennacherib sends this message with his field commander and basically questions the trust of the people. And, and there are all kinds of different ways that our trust in the Lord is sometimes undermined, right? Mm-hmm. What, what, how would you say, what kind of things are there that, that tempt us not to place our, our, our trust in God? And it, what are some of the ways that we're tempted to fail to place our trust in God? Well, in every way, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, um, it, it, I, I, when I say that in every way, I don't, I'm not sure. saying that to be joking, but no. I think it's, you know, we place our trust in government. We place our trust yeah. in our finances. We place our trust in other people or, yeah. um, uh, yeah. Or sometimes even ourselves. Ourselves. You know? Yeah. So. It, I, I heard a sermon <laughs> recently just about, you know, it's, uh, in Exodus, it's God says I am, and the most important for us to learn from that is I am not. <laughs> That's right. I, you know, He it's is, true. I am, and we are, I am not, and so and, don't and trust in yourself. I mean, I'll be honest. You know, we we we're pretty good at things. You know, we 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 feel like we're able, we're capable, but then we get down to when things really get tough, when the Syrians are outside the gates, right, mm-hmm. laying siege, mm-hmm. then we begin to say, okay, am I going to continue to trust in my in myself? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned government, and that's basically what I think the the temptation here is for the people that that the field commander is talking to oh trust in us we'll we'll take care of you right (laughs) hezekiah hasn't thought this through he cannot provide don't trust your leader instead trust trust us you know Mm -hmm. and uh in fact there's a passage i always like to to bring alongside this i think you have it psalm 20 verses 6 through 9 just read that for us real quick this psalmist i think captures this tendency that we have ourselves to place our trust in other things. Yeah. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. So this is David that's writing, and he calls himself often your anointed, your your Christ uh, or Messiah. That's Mashiach. That's where that that word comes from. But he he says you give victory to the anointed. Some trust in chariots and, and some trust in in um, uh, princes or horses. Mm-hmm. We place our trust in the Lord God, and that that's just that that contrast. You know, it's not military might. 
it's not uh, political wisdom or political machinations mm-hmm. that, that are going to bring peace and freedom. Uh, it's trusting trusting in God. And that's what, remember, that's Ahaz's issue. That's, right. that's the thing that Ahaz faced is he said, you know, I don't, I'm not going to trust God. In fact, I'm not even going to ask for a sign. You know, it makes it sound very holy. Oh, you know, I, I don't dare. How tem- dare I? Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, God's response is, do you dare tr- t- you know, test my patience? He says, I will give you a sign, right? <laughs> You're not going to like it, yeah. but I'm going to give yeah. it to you. But basically, he says, I'm going to take care of this problem, and, and, you know, and, and Ahaz is an example of someone who doesn't place his trust in him. So, so here's the interesting thing then, or one interesting thing, I keep saying these interesting things, um, is is we have all of this, um, you know, kind of this this. Uh, mocking this letter that sent uh, all this mocking of Hezekiah and the people. And, and it says, I didn't read this part, but it says basically that Hezekiah told the people not to respond. And so they didn't respond, you know, mm-hmm. but what I find, what I love about this passage the most is Hezekiah's response, because I think it becomes for us uh, an example. This is actually over the next chapter in chapter 37. Uh, do you want to go ahead and read, read yeah. verses 14 through 20 here of uh, uh, 37? Yeah. I gave you the best i gave you the best lines here so okay. don't don't mess them up make sure these 14 are very sh- through what 14 through 20 make sure they're very shakespearean as you okay. said earlier, hezekiah so. received the letter from the messengers and read it then he went up to the temple of the lord and spread it out before the lord and hezekiah prayed to the lord lord almighty the god of israel enthroned between the cherubim you alone are god over all the kingdoms of the earth you have made heaven and earth Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the world's uh, words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste uh, laid waste all these peoples and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone, fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, Deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. So Hezekiah's response here is just is just phenomenal. How would you describe this response? Uh, it is one of faith and reliance on God. Yeah, I, he, I, just even the action of it. I love it. He takes this letter and he says, you know, these are the words that mm-hmm. Sennacherib has used to ridicule the living God, the, the true God. Mm-hmm. And he spreads them out before God and he prays. Mm-hmm. Now contrast that with Ahaz's response. Yeah, he sent off he sent off the emissaries to exactly. And, and when God sends Isaiah to speak to him, it's like man, I don't even want to hear it, you know. And here instead is Hezekiah going up to the temple, this leader, this king of the people, and what an example here, right? Spreading it out before God and saying, God, you are the one who's going to be able to handle this. Not not my political wisdom, not my military strength. You're the one who's going to be able to handle this. It, it's interesting that, and I was thinking about this. We should talk about this. One of the themes in Isaiah is who is the true God is the way I would describe this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some really incredible passages that that are long passages, which basically God is over and over again showing who he is. But Isaiah constantly comes back to this theme that the idols are not true gods, these gods of the nations. And he says, they, yeah, it's true. The Assyrians thrown all these gods into the fire because they were idols. They were made out of wood and stone. You are the, he calls him here. Do you notice the living God? Mm-hmm. He calls him the creator of heaven and earth. 
right? Mm-hmm. That's when we think about the Lord God that is worshipped by the people of Israel and that we worship today. I've said before that he is creator and that he is the living God. He's the eternal living God is really the difference here. Mm-hmm. He's not He's not some localized deity that that some people worship he's not you know it's interesting i I just i'll give you this and again we'll talk about it some other day but um you know isaiah says uh, elsewhere in his book um uh god says through him you know people make um a, a an idol out of stone and then it becomes a burden for them. They have to carry it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, 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 yeah. And what we want is a God who can carry us. Carry our burdens. Right. And, and and it's the opposite, you know. And that's that's a really interesting theme throughout Isaiah. All these other gods that people worship mm-hmm. are, are not the true God. But he only is, wood and stone. He is the creator God. He is the living God is the way he's described here in this in this passage. So just kind of an interesting sidelight I thought I thought I'd mention. So so what so here again i'm mentioning hezekiah as an example what do we tend so we've talked about the temptation for us to place our trust in something else what are some of the things that we tend to do when we're faced with difficulties try to handle it ourselves okay we we try to do it ourselves Mm -hmm. yeah complain (laughs) fair point okay yeah um give up sometimes give it, up. Might, it might yeah. cause us to go to despair uh, maybe that's maybe i'm speaking biographically there but um or autobiographically it it um you know causes us to despair sometimes or you know what do we do when we're faced with difficulties do we think oh there's there's no way i can handle it hezekiah again becomes an example because it, it's basically i think taking our problems and laying them out before the lord and saying you know i trust you uh, in, in the midst of this, you know, the older I get, I, I said more and more that trust, tr- trusting God for me is is the very basis. It's the very foundation of, of everything else in, in our faith. And again, faith is that really the word trust and the word faith are the same. Um, but, you know, the, the this idea that we are we're, we're placing our trust in him. And again, I think for us often ourselves are the are the alternative, you know, placing our trust in ourself uh, is the alternative. But Hezekiah, I think, becomes a good example. For yeah, us. I would, I'd say a lot of times, you know, it comes to like, well, if nothing else works, pray. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, like, right. Sometimes that happens. Right. You're right. So basically what God says in response to this prayer, uh, I, he sends Isaiah, this is verse 21, sends Isaiah to Hezekiah, uh, because you have prayed to me. And there, there it is, because you prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, this is what I say. And, and he goes on, and it's a, it, I'll deal with some of this language, because it's really kind of cool language that he uses here uh, in this. But I think just simply, again, the contrast for me between Hezekiah and Ahaz, a person of trust and a person who's trusting in themselves, is really the message that we have here. Hezekiah, I always say he's a good, he's a good prayer, too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he prays here. You might also remember he, he's the guy who prays uh, for 15 more years of life. You know, God basically oh, yeah. says to him, hey, it's time to write your will. You're going <laughs> to die. You've got this illness. Right. You're going to die. And it says he turns his face to the to the wall and he prays to God. And God says, oh, I'll give you 15 more years of life. And I love this. It's the opposite of Ahaz again. He says, well, what sign are you going to give me? <laughs> And basically, he asked, "Well, just back the sign, back the sun up fifteen minutes, and I'll be happy with that." 
you know, so it's kind of, you know, because it it's the inverse. God said to Ahaz, any sign from the heavens above down to the to the earth below, anything you ask for, I'll show you. And that's for Hezekiah. What's the sign? I'm going to live for 15 more years. Well, back the sun up 15 minutes and I'll trust you. Then, you know? Right. So but anyway, incredible prayer. But but here's what Isaiah says, uh, verse 22. And I'll kind of just and this is a message to Sennacherib. No, no, no. This is the message to Hezekiah. Uh, uh, to Hezekiah. Yeah. So Isaiah speaks. So Hezekiah prays. Very mm -hmm. simple prayer, actually. You know, basically says, you know, God, listen to the way he's mocking you. And and he prays this prayer. It's very similar. It reminds me, I always say it's a simple prayer. Elijah on Mount Carmel. Uh, I love the contrast. If you remember that story, oh, yeah. maybe we'll talk about it sometime. But but uh, Elijah's on Mount Carmel. And here are all the prophets of Baal who are who are cutting themselves and shouting Wailing louder. All day. Maybe and, he's asleep. Yeah. And, and, you know, Elijah's mocking him. And then Elijah basically prays to the Lord God and fire comes from heaven, right? Mm -hmm. Very simple prayer. It's not, it's not that it's the, you know, the right formula or the eloquent, eloquent, eloquent words, but it's, it's the simple prayer of faith uh, and trust in, in the living God. But anyway, here's the message. Virgin daughter Zion despises and mocks you. Daughter Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. Now, I don't have enough hair to do this, but but basically, you know, tossing your head is kind of like, you know, flipping your hair or whatever, you know, it's kind of like, mm -hmm. it's kind of like a mocking, you know, you're going to be running away, Sennacherib, with your army and, or what's left of your army, not to give away the ending, but you're going to be running away and, and we're going to be tossing our hair in mockery of you, basically is the idea. Uh, who is it you've ridiculed and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride against the Holy One of Israel? By your messengers, you've ridiculed the Lord, and you have said, with my many chariots, I have ascended. Notice the eyes here. I have ascended the heights of the mountain, the utmost heights of, heights of Lebanon. I have cut down its tallest cedars, the choicest of its junipers. I have reached its remotest heights, the finest of the forest. I have dug wells in foreign lands and drunk the water there. With the soles of my feet, I have dried up the streams of Egypt. So... So here's Sennacherib. Again, he's saying, look, the Lord God himself is, is using me. to. He's brought me here. But he, he's, he's, you see the pride here? Right. This is something I have done myself, mm -hmm. is what Sennacherib says. And, and here's Isaiah's response. Have you not heard long ago, God says, I ordained it. In days of old, I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass that you have turned fortified cities into piles of stone, people drained of power, dismayed and put to shame. They're like plants in the field, the tender green shoots like grass sprouting on the roofs, uh, scorched before it grows up. So, so here's the idea. You think that you're the one who's done it. I'm the one who had this planned long ago. And, and we saw that, right? Isaiah, another thing I do want to talk about on a, on a future podcast is the predictive prophecy in Isaiah. You remember mm, oh, Isaiah yeah. told Ahaz, this is going to happen, and yeah. then and then eventually, uh, this is this is the, sh the shaving. Yeah, we talked about in Isaiah because I was asking about this. Like, yeah, we we talked about that that it, it, the Assyrians are going to come close, and it's going to be like shave, like shaving yep. your head and shaving your face yeah. and <laughs> shaving everything, and that it's going to be very a very close. That's how close it's going to come to to. Yep, be well, the end of you like a razor, and then it's just just going to shave you, but it's not not going to cut you. you. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it. That's exactly it. Well, well said. So, so here's God's message to Sennacherib. But I know where you are. 
and when you come and go and how you rage against me because you rage against me and because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth and I will make you return by the way that I came. You came. Yeah. What I say? I came. Oh yeah, way that you came. Yeah. So so that's the message. And and then here's here's what um it, it ends up in verse 33. This is what the Lord says concerning the king of Syria. He will not enter the city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return. He will not enter the city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city, talking about Jerusalem, and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. So that's the message that God um, has for Hezekiah in response to his prayer. And then here's God's response. Here's God's action. So go ahead and read verses 36 and 37. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up there, got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. So... This this was you know he came up they they laid siege to Jerusalem, but eighty five thousand died in the night. One of the remarkable things about this to me is how simple that is. Just two verses, hundred eighty five thousand. Yeah, people we have this died. huge ramp up, and then it's just like oh yeah. they died in the night. Yeah, and he and, broke camp and left. And that's the way it often is when we're talking about God. The battles of God, it's not these long and protracted battles, but it's a very simple response. What an incredible answer to prayer here, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and here's, you know, what would Ahaz have done if he was shut up in the city with 185,000 Assyrians surrounding him, right? And, and here's what Hezekiah does. He just spreads it out before the Lord and says, Lord God, hear the words. You're hearing it, and I, I'm trusting in your response. So just, just an incredible story, I think, here. <clears throat> A couple of things I thought— well, anything you want to say before? Well, I, I also want to say, I'm just thinking about family here and like the difference between a father to a son. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of remarkable to me as well. Yeah. Going from a son who would have seen his father behaving in the way that he did to, yeah. to Hezekiah having this totally 180 yeah. response to, to how his father would have reacted. Sadly, what often happens in scripture then is we have the sons go back the other way. And so mm -hmm. Manasseh, ends up yeah. essentially undoing all of the reforms that Hezekiah had done. Manasseh comes and undoes. Uh -huh. And according to, to, to tradition, Isaiah is, is martyred under, under Manasseh. Yeah. Well, it, so. yeah, I, I just, and, and what I keep thinking about is, you know, here we, Jerusalem, the fortified cities have been destroyed yeah. and you got Jerusalem, the one city that's left, right. you know, and you've got Ephraim, the sure. northern kingdom it's that's been, it's gone. Yeah. You know, it's kind of this remnant that God has protected again. Yeah. And, and the differences in, you know, I think that faith journey as, you know, the, sure. what their faith is, you know, because yeah. the northern kingdom was in military power yeah. and, you know, they were far from God already, you right. know, the judgment, but God's protecting his people, those who were faithful to him, that yeah. there was this, this protection. And the Assyrians never destroyed Jerusalem because just a few years after this, what happens is the Babylonians, Babylonians arrive yeah. and, and they, they defeat the Assyrian empire. And then they're finally the ones who come in. And, and take Jerusalem. And take Jerusalem. And again, all of this is predicted in, in Isaiah. Mm -hmm. Not Assyria. Like I said, it's going to be a close shave, but it's going to be the Babylonians who finally come in and do this. Chaldeans or, or you know, whatever name that, that's used for them. But 
But again, we'll talk about this another day that that and then those 70 years, God says, not only am I going to use the Babylonians to to exact my punishment on this on this people who've turned their backs on me, mm-hmm. but they in turn, just like Assyria, I used <laughs> I used Assyria. You know, this is this is the picture we get of God. I used Assyria like a club in my hand, like you know, like a razor to to cut that close to Hezekiah's beard. You know, cut his beard off from the side of his face, uh, and then I'm I'm I love that. I'm like a bit in your mouth, like a horse or like a hook in your nose. I'm pulling yeah. you back the way that you came. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've never had a hook through my nose, but I imagine <laughs> it kind of will guide you. You can where be directed. You, you can, can be, be directed, directed pretty yeah. easily if someone yeah. put a hook through my nose. So here's here's a thing. This is just a kind of a sideline. We talk about history here a lot because this this Assyrian conquest is mentioned. Uh, Sennacherib writes his own what we call the annals of Sennacherib. Uh, he writes his own accounts of these things. And Herodotus, the, the father of history, mentions the Assyrian campaigns in his history as well. The the annals of, of Sennacherib, we we actually have three different, they're uh, pris, we call them the prisms of Sennacherib. He, he, he carved them in cuneiform in a language called Akkadian. He, he carved his um, deeds you know, for posterity mm-hmm. on these, on these uh, prisms. And we have three of them that, that have survived. Um, I'm trying to remember two of them were uh, like, one of them was um, two of them were done at the same time. And then one of them was, was um, written a little bit later, but all of them tell essentially the same story, which is interesting. I'm going to read part of them here in a minute. Um, but these, you can see one in the British museum in London. Uh, one is in um, uh, Israel, uh, in Jerusalem at the Israel Museum, and then the third one is interestingly in. Uh, we're here in Central Illinois, in the Oriental Institute in Chicago, is where the third of these. Uh, okay. Yeah, so you can actually go up there and see it. It's not not too far away. But um, here's what it says. This is Sennacherib's prism. It talks about his conquest of these various nations of these various places that he took place and it's kind of a listing of all the things that he did how he took these kings captive how he exacted tribute from them these kind of things here's what he says about this this campaign his last campaign uh and his coming up to jerusalem so i'm going to read this is from this is from this one of the sennacherib prisms as for hezekite the judahite okay so inhabitant of judah who did not submit to my yoke 46 of his strong-walled cities, uh, as well as the small towns in that area, which were without number, by leveling them with battering rams, by bringing up siege engines, by attacking and storming them on foot, by mines and tunnels and breaches, I besieged and took them. So that's basically um, talking about that, what we read at the beginning of the chapter, where it says that he began to to attack the fortified cities right. in the north part of Judah. Uh, 200,000 150 people, great and small, male and female, horses, mules, asses, camels, cattle and sheep without number. I brought away from there and counted them as spoil. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. He goes on and says, as for Hezekiah himself, like a caged bird, I shut him up in Jerusalem, his royal city, and I threw up earthworks against him. And then it goes on. And it doesn't talk about him defeating Hezekiah. (laughs) 
Yeah. Now it doesn't mention that my army all oh, died right, in right. the night, which you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Yeah. Most right. kings, when they're trying to talk about their conquests, don't mention defeats. But what's interesting is when you compare this to his other campaigns and the way he talks about taking these, you know, either killing these kings or taking them prisoner or making them his vassals. Hezekiah says, "I shut him up in his in his city like a like a caged bird," and then he moves on. And uh, basically, he goes down. He says he goes down into uh, into the area that we call um, uh, Gaza, and that in that area is where he ends up in 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 that part of Canaan, Philistia. So, it, just an interesting little sideline in history that it seems to again, it doesn't. How would you say it? Does, he doesn't tell exactly the same story, but it is a story I would say that is consistent with the biblical story of this time. That he did not defeat Hezekiah. He's laid siege to Jerusalem. He shut him up. It talks about all the other captives he took from the northern uh, part, from the northern part of Judah, mm-hmm. but he did not himself take Hezekiah. It shut him up in in Jerusalem like a bird in a cage, and then he went on. So I just find that interesting. It is very interesting. One thing I don't this maybe it's not relevant, but you, you and I have read um, oh Josephus, yeah, and it's talking about when Jerusalem's going to be conquered, like yeah. they're going to tear down the temple. I I read part of Josephus, and the Roman army is outside, yeah. and they're saying, "Who can stand against this? Like right. we've no one has stand against this. All these armies and all that right. stuff have come down, uh, and we've been." continuing talking about revelation and yeah. revelation is like it's kind of this overturning again god yeah. saying like all these the romans who have all this uh, uh confidence and their power yeah. and everything else i'm gonna flip them yeah. over you know and I, that's that's just i was thinking as we were talking about that when we got into that part of has uh when um the assyrians were saying like who has stained yeah. against us all these gods and all that stuff and that's mirrored then when the Romans come in 70 AD to tear down, yep. you know, the they're inside. No, I'm not drawing the drug no, correlation, but then in Revelation, we have God saying about the Romans who thought that they no one could stop them. I am going, I am king. They are not. I, I think this is a very good point you're making. And, and here's really what I'm going to say. To be a person of faith is to recognize that even though, even though things seem like they're going to be in a particular way, when we place our trust in God, it, they may not end up that way, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's even even people. Here's where I think we need to be very careful. Even sometimes people who are, who are followers of Christ, we tend to continue to look for the political solution or the military solution or mm. the economic. You know, by right. by my own money, I'm going to take care of this or whatever. When when we're saying to, to trust in God is to say, hey, this may not even work out the way that we're expecting it to, but we're placing our trust in His hands. You know, placing ourselves in His hands, and, and trusting that He's going to be the one to accomplish what needs needs to be done. Um, yeah, so. I, I, and, I, and I think you know, I I think back to the people on the wall. Yeah, as they see this right. Assyrian army, and right. they know that. I mean, they obviously would have heard this is not like. Uh, German blitzkrieg where they're moving like overnight, like this huge army is slowly amassing in front of them that they know what they've done. And then, you know, they're coming out saying like, Hey guys, uh, do you think you're really going to get out of this? (laughs) You think you're really going to get out of the city? Um, And then just, you know, and Hezekiah's faith and that, you know, that even in the face of what seemed like insurmountable odds, you know, his first decision was not like, Hey, who can I call up? You know, there was, there was those who wanted to call up the Pharaoh, the Egyptians, the Egyptians like, come on up, you know, and join the fight, but kind of going, yeah. I mean, it's just, I'm just, 
thinking through all those things yeah. and thinking back in that time, like I'm, you know, as uh, Snacker says, like a caged bird. Yeah, you know, I'm a caged bird. Like, I th I think it's an important. I think it's an important lesson for us today. I mean, that, that's what I loved about this passage, and I thought it was important for us to think about. Is I, I think there's an application here for us to really think through and to to you know to apply to our own lives. And uh, you know, again, I love the Old Testament. These these illustrations, as Paul says, they're they're given to us. You know so that we can we can apply these lessons learn from their mistakes sometimes uh but to see examples of these people who you know hezekiah would consider a person of great faith yeah and i think you know there's faith even in as we've talked about this and i think this is where the faith gets tough is they know these other fortified cities yeah have, have fallen. fallen yep like kind of going well you know god you said you're going to shave us but yeah. you know but like <laughs> like you're starting to draw some blood right you know what i mean like the shave is is getting really close and to have faith even as they've seen yeah. all these other defensive structures that they've yeah. built in that have been part of the kingdom uh, of judah start to fall and now it's like uh everybody's yeah. you know well and, and people think you know what's god's plan here what's yeah, how's god gonna take care of this and and you know who's gonna come up with well i think probably he's gonna send the angel of the lord and, and her eighty five thousand are gonna die in the night you know that's yeah. that's his plan it's like okay <laughs> <laughs> is he gonna feed him some bad stew right um, right um but you know i i think that's the thing and maybe for me for the lesson is to go it may not look how I think it's exactly. going to look. Like, yeah. it may not look like, I would have thought, like, God, why didn't you stop before they got the fortified right. cities? Like, it's getting closer and closer. And, and and as the threat becomes closer, does my faith increase? Right. Or does my reliance on myself increase yeah. in that? And I think that's, I think that's the challenge. Yeah. And I think that's, and I think that's the lie that, that, the, yeah. that the general would have said to the people, like, sure. hey, I'm, I'm giving you the easy way out here or what he thought was the easy way out right. and for them to rely on their faith. You know, you wonder how much of this is Ahaz, you know, like I said, this is a bill that his son is paying for, that he he's the mm -hmm. one who, who really, you know, that he's the one who incurred the cost. It makes you wonder how much of that is because of his stubbornness, his stubborn refusal to trust. Uh, you know, even when Isaiah comes and says, look, it's going to be a couple of years. I don't know what you're so worried about. Um, you know, but uh, anyway, I just thought, th thought the whole thing was an interesting, be an interesting passage to look at. So. It is an interesting passage to look at. We're, we're going to look, I think, next week at, uh, I can't believe I have never looked at the book of First Peter. First and Second Peter, one of my favorite books, uh, one of the first uh, when I was a professor one of the first classes I ever taught on on an individual passage was first and second Peter and Jude and uh, I can't believe we've never looked at any I don't think we've ever looked at a first we Peter passage maybe first Peter three but not not too much so next next week I, th I thought we would talk about some first Peter stuff so. absolutely well Brian thanks so much for sharing yeah yeah good fun and, yeah and if you've enjoyed this episode we invite you to share and uh, yeah. let us know what you liked and uh, you got any questions let us know yeah all right see you next week see Brian. you Ryan bye bye Thank you.